2: Hello and thank you once again for downloading and listening to another episode of the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. My name is Clive and I am joined by Ricky. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, Later on tonight we will be joined hopefully by Rance Morris to discuss in a bit more detail some NXT TakeOver Portland, but to start the show we've got a rather interesting guest to say the least. And this this wee plug has been stolen shamelessly from the Sportskeeda website. Uh, our guest is a freelance reporter who has interviewed the likes of Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Andrade Almas, Nikki Cross, Tyson Fury, uh, and this past week, NXT Women's Champion Rhea Ripley. He also creates video content for BBC, and his work has been sourced by Fox, CNN, NBC, uh, MSN and Bleacher Report and TalkSport. He is also featured in an official trailer for the fantastic Total Divas. <laughs> um, but more recently, he's ended up in the centre of some pretty controversial topics and his name sort of rose to infamy, shall we say, when he, he asked Triple H about Paige potentially returning to the ring, where then a tasteless stroke was made and the whole thing grew more arms and legs than the Dark Order, basically. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Sports Sportskeeders Gary Cassidy. Gary, thanks very much for coming on.
3: Thanks for having me on, and thanks for the introduction. That, um, when you chuck my name next to a, a load of their names, I'm like, ah, that's, that's quite nice. It's, uh, it means that my can fall into the background a wee bit. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. it's, it's definitely, it's quite a list of accomplishments.
3: Aye, well, um, it's, it's just been, it's one of the things that, like, if I look back to two years ago, I started writing about wrestling about maybe two, two years and a couple of months ago, two and years. I hadn't interviewed any wrestlers. So it's been a lot in a short space of time. Um, so I've had a lot, of, a lot of good opportunities. So it's the kind of thing I'm, I'm very grateful for
2: it. Excellent. So we know that you're a bit strapped for time tonight. So what we'll do is we'll just fire some questions at you and just sort of let the conversation take its natural course
3: feel
1: free. I'll um, try and answer absolutely anything as best as I can. Good stuff. Ricky. do you want to start us off? Yeah, I'll start us off. I'll start us off. I just want to add to that introduction, um, we should have put the end of it, a.k.a. a, pe- a pretty big fucking deal. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll take that. <laughs> no, so, obviously, like you said, you've been at Sportskeeda for, for a couple of years now. Um, at first, you were doing, you were publishing opinion pieces. Uh, I want to say, am I right in saying that? And if that is the case, um, when did you start to transition from that to kind of reporting on wrestlers, uh, reporting on wrestling and interviewing wrestlers as well?
3: I so it is a bit of a weird one. Like, I still do the odd opinion piece, but they've obviously kind of fallen by the wayside when I've been doing more interviews and stuff, just because they're a bit less of a priority. Um, it's actually a weird one, so I'll, I'll try and keep this bit short. Um, I studied journalism uh, when I was at university and ended up like... Uh, I done a wee bit of news journalism here in Glasgow, uh, and realised very quickly it wasn't something I wanted to do. Uh, it was like shadowing kind of court cases and stuff. So like I done a wee bit of music journalism after that for a bit of fun, and then just fell away from it completely for years. And then it was a couple of years ago, um, just started writing for Sports Sportskeeda. Weirdly enough, the first ever article I wrote, I was like half uh, wrestling, half football journalism with them. So the first ever article I wrote was a photo of John Cena holding a spurs top went up. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, I'll chuck a wee news article about that. And then um, they were like, you're quite good. We'll bring you into the team. But I, again, like I said, I, I started that in like December a few years ago. And then it wasn't until my very first interview was the April. Uh, and that was one of the ones I, I'm gone. I'm quite enjoying this writing about wrestling, writing all my opinion pieces and writing odd news piece. Um, so what actually happened was Elias had done an interview with Guitar World, I think it was. It was one of the guitar magazines. And I covered it, like, obviously quoted um, or credited them when I used the quotes. And I got a wee message from the person that had wrote the article, essentially thanking me for, for covering it, um, because they get quite a bit of, quite a bit of um, fame for, for us covering it because it was a wrestling website and mm-hmm. covering a wrestler, but they'd done it for a guitar magazine, obviously. And they're like, oh, if you want me to hook you up with anybody, um, and I was just like, that's one of things, everybody says it, but it never comes to any fruition. Um, and it ended up, they were like, oh, we can hook you up with either uh, DVp or Jim Ross. <laughs> now what? either I will be nice. Um, so my first <laughs> ever interview with a wrestler was with Diamond Dallas Page, which I was like, right, it can only go down the hill here because <laughs> I'm never going to interview anybody as big as Diamond Dallas
2: Page.
3: That's crazy. And, and now, it's, now it's been quite uh, good. So uh, like, this month, or ever since the start of this year, all, all the articles I've written, I think, too, have maybe been interviews or exclusives. But I still do the odd wee opinion piece. But I it's been it's a wee bit of a change because sometimes you feel like is it like an interviewer? maybe the the more I'm posting on Twitter and stuff, you maybe can't put as much in, opinion in because some people get really upset by it.
2: Uh-huh.
3: But aye, wee bit mm-hmm. of a change.
2: <laughs> so see with regards to the journalism side of things. I don't think Ricky is as strong about feels as strongly about this, but I am personally very sceptical when reading these scoops from journalists. And I know from a recent tweet from yourself that you you don't like to be identified necessarily as a journalist. Um, how would is that is that so you that is that so you would distinguish yourself from those that just post the clickbait articles like your Ringside News and Pro Wrestling Stream and all that stuff.
3: I so, as the kind of thing, I hate, like, burying other quote-unquote journalists, um, but it's, like, one thing where I'm, like, I never ever wanted to call myself a journalist at the start to begin with, because I'm, like, I'm just a wrestling fan that, like, is alright at writing, so I'm quite quite happy just, like, being, like, a wrestling fan that writes, and then obviously, now, with interviews and stuff, you kind of need to tag the journalist bit onto the end of it, but for me, I, I, I prefer to say, like... I know it's not the main thing, but I'd say I'm like a wrestling interviewer, because that is the thing I really enjoy doing, and thankfully I've been able to add enough names to kind of credibly call myself that, rather oh,
2: than it's definitely.
3: like i recently done one interview. Um, but it is kind of... So, when I first started writing for Sports Gita, um I make no bones about this, Sports Gita had a really bad reputation.
2: Oh, right.
3: um, due to a, a previous writer that worked there, who, I, I won't say the name, but it was in Big Brother in the UK, so a lot of people might actually know who as if they Google him. Um, but he put out some very controversial tweets, ended up getting sacked for sports Geeta, and and that was like about six months before I came in. But my thing was always, I don't pretend to have sources. I will never pretend to have sources. Yep. Um, the only time I've ever put out an exclusive and no attached the name of the person that has told me the the news um, was back when um, Luke Harper, Sin Cara, and the Ascension all got released. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I reached out to one of those names um, just because I'd spoken to them before. And the name will come out eventually because I'm going to interview them uh, in a couple of weeks. Oh, it's no, I've not got the date planned, but it's definitely going to happen in the next few weeks. And they said that they'd rather not have their name attached to the quote that I put out because it was so soon. And I'm like, that's fine, as long as I can narrow it down to the four names. And that's the only time I've ever had an anonymous source uh, in quotes. Uh, but that's, like I always wow. say, if I reach out to a venue, I will always say, if a spokesman at the venue... I would never say backstage sources or anything like that. So I think I'm, I'm with you. I'm very skeptical I'm a wrestling journalist. My main thing, and I've put a tweet about this in the past couple of days, and it's something I'll always stand by. See, anybody, no matter who you are, if you're a wrestling fan, if you're a journalist, if you're an outlet, see if you say rumours are suggesting or you quote any rumour make sure you put the name of who the rumours came from Mm -hmm. because some rumours the second you get the name of who it's came from it's not even worth discussing Um, the the most recent one you mentioned there like ringside news and again I don't like burying anybody but they put out um, quite a lot of work for a guy called Brad Shepherd, who I used to talk to a long time ago Um, and again nothing against the guy apart from the fact that I was very sceptical of his opinions and uh, and all these sources as well I've got nothing against well, I don't want to say I've got nothing against the guy but I don't really spend time kind of talking about him but he blocked me randomly and did, <laughs> so with the, the, the same as arrest rest the uh, wrestling reporters and quotes and it's the kind of where you go names like that if something comes out I always say there's maybe five names that I will believe almost anything that comes out of their mouth and, and I never normally like assign credit to any specific journalist apart from like a few names but if you read something for Alex McCarthy at TalkSport, if you read something for yep. Sean Ross Sapp, if you read something for Ryan yep. Satin, those are the three guys in the main that if I'm checking out something, if one of them verifies it, I'm probably going to believe it because they're legitimate. Everybody else, I think there should be a little bit of scepticism in anybody's mind. And all you can do is have a quick Google, look and see what they've reported. If stuff has come to fruition and they've been the first source, then it's quite easy to say, I'm be
2: legitimate. Because... Uh-huh. I didn't even realise it was Brad Shepard that did that ringside news stuff but
3: so it doesn't um, I'll say that just to, just to clarify that he's technically if we go black and white he's nothing to do with ringside news but they are one of the only sites who report on what he reports now ah, right, uh, right. and they do have an affiliation but he's no he's not an employee of theirs
2: that's fair so, enough uh...
1: You, you know more, okay. it's funny that you brought up that tweet that you made. Um I think it was like, like was it like 7 or 8 days ago about the journalism and you should be you should whoever started the rumor you should post it alongside it. Uh, just a quick follow-up question because I took a screenshot of that tweet because I was like I want to ask him something related to that. Do you not think then if so for instance if someone comes to yourself whether it be a WWE employee or a wrestler director comes to you and says this is how I'm feeling, or this is potentially what's going to be six months down the line. This is going to happen at SummerSlam or summer, WrestleMania. If you were to put that out there and you quoted saying, "I got this information directly from Paul Heyman," for instance, do you not think maybe that could, as a journalist, journalist, I know, like you say you don't identify yourself as a journalist, but do you not think maybe that could harm the relationship that maybe someone's putting something out there that that? The other person doesn't want out there, but does that maybe tie back into the fact you say, well, I won't quote someone unless they kind of give me permission to do so?
3: Aye, so that's the kind of thing, again, I've no run into that yet, but I I am aware that that could be something that does happen down the line. Uh, And also just the fact that if, say, for instance, I became pals with somebody that worked in WWE, but wasn't it like a prominent name that somebody knew, then I, I might actually need to eventually backtrack on that. But I do feel like, and again, I don't want to. This sounds like I'm going to put myself over, but see if I was to put out a tweet that said maybe a, a backstage source. No, that I, I really don't want to do that. But if I was to do that, I think because I've interviewed that many people, people might realise that I wouldn't really. I wouldn't put out a like a false rumour to try and say something because it might harm my relationship with me and getting interviews and stuff like that. So I think it's a case of building up credibility before you can do stuff like that. Because like I said, Alex McCarthy, he'll, he'll say stuff and it comes from a source and they won't name the source. Um, so it is kind of... The, the rumour thing was more based on say, I say, rumours suggest that Hulk Hogan is going to wrestle at WrestleMania, then yep. I should say if that has come direct from me or from whatever sources, or say if it's came from, say, your ringside news or any other website, just so that the accountability is on the, the first person, because if I say that rumour then I'm accountable for it but people don't actually hold people to account so people will just believe any rumour they read Um, but that is a very good point you make about if Paul Heyman was to say say something to me so just what I would do in that scenario is I would ask we'll say Paul Heyman I just want to clarify I'm no pals with Paul Heyman I wish I was
0: Um, not yet anyway
3: no definitely he's one that's on the dream list in interviews but say he was to say something to me I would clear it first One, am I okay to put this information out there? Um, And then if he said I, I would say two, am I okay to attribute it to you? Or do I need to say it's from an anonymous source? And if if it was the latter, then it would depend for me. If it came from Paul Heyman, I would be inclined to put it out there as fact, because I can say that he's probably a credible source. (laughs) But if it was, we say, an employee at WWE, I would try and verify it from a second and most likely a third source. Um, and then you're just kind of covering your bases because things have happened with reputable journalists who have got things covered by, say, three sources. And then the WWE superstar they've been talking about has came out and refuted the claims. And obviously that, no matter how many sources, you get it verified by. And even if it's true, as soon as it, the person that is about refutes it, then it's the loss of credibility.
1: That sounds like um, Ryan Satin reporting on Sasha Banks.
3: You are spot on there, yeah, really? and again, he, he he spoke about it on the Chris Van Leet um, interview, and again, kind of, he said that he's, he's quite happy to leave it behind him, and obviously a lot of people still hold it against him, but he said that that completely changed the way that he reports on stuff, and that is the kind of thing where I'm going, no matter if he is, he could be telling 100% the truth, and that could have happened, but the second that's been refuted by a WWE superstar, you kind of just need to take it as false.
1: That's, <laughs> that's it. Um, my next question, and you actually, again, you mentioned something right there, Not ho- people not being held accountable to said rumours starting. You, you mentioned the likes of Sean Rossap. Sapp. Sean Ross Sapp is personally one guy I would also trust. Um, you mentioned uh, Alex McCarthy, Ryan Sutton. In your honest opinion, what do you feel about um, the likes of Dave Meltzer, Brian Alvarez... Um, you've also obviously mentioned Brad Shepard there. But mainly those two that I've I've made I've says. Um because I think for me, I think a lot of the times when, when, when Meltzer says something, there's a lot sometimes there is a lot of truth to it because I mean he predicted Brock and Roman Reigns are going to main event WrestleMania one year in advance. I think he announced it like the weekend of the WrestleMania where it was Roman Reigns and Undertaker were main event and, um but It goes back to what you're saying, not being held accountable. I think with him having such a big fan base, I feel like if he says something, a lot of his fan base gravitate to that, and and that's it. They automatically have the same opinion. I think he has an opportunity to be like this great ray of hope, in a sense, rather than being so negative at times. But I'm not, I don't know. I'm just curious to see how you feel about those guys.
3: Aye. So, Melcher for me is. Right, I, I put it into two categories for me and this is something that again I, I think with opinion articles and stuff you can you can be on a very, very difficult tightrope to walk. So for me, again, the Melts things about accountability. and um, a lot of stuff he reports and he does report as news. It is actually news and it definitely has I'm not gonna say that it definitely has just now because I can't verify it, but he's definitely had sources in WWE at some point. Um, and I, I think that's like, He's, he's got things right. You can't dispute that. Yeah. Um, the things that people would say get gets wrong, I'm always kind of, again, this is a difficult line because a lot of things he says are reports, but a lot of things he says are opinion. And then it's a kind of tricky thing where it always gets lost somewhere in yeah. translation between it, it coming out of Meltzer's mouth or coming out his keyboard right. and gone through a different website or gone through a, Chinese whisper basically. That's tweeting about it. Aye. Essentially it's gonna result in Meltzer said this is happening and a lot of the times if you look back at what he said, he's not said it's happening. A lot of times he has said um oh this could be well or gonna go with it, or my opinion is it would be good to do this. Yeah. But again the reason like I think and through no fault of his own, but Dave Meltzer's compromised. Because of the five-star match thing, and a lot of people disagreeing with his opinions on ratings of matches, which is something I'll not get into because, like, I would never rate matches. Aye. Like, I just think it's the kind of thing that you're setting yourself up to be completely bombarded with, with all sorts of different opinions. Mm-hmm. But I think that has compromised his like no journalistic uh, journalistic integrity. That's a bad thing to say. Because I do think he's got integrity, but the way he's been pretty much I, I think it's over exposure I think he is seen as the, the very top of wrestling journalism probably has been for the past whatever, how, 30 years or something but I think because of that everything they says is taken as fact and whether it's his fault or no a lot of people will just put it back out there as fact mm-hmm. and then everybody will believe it because he has a credible source or, or at least was so everybody will take everything he says as fact and then when it doesn't happen he's lost all credibility um, so that's, I, would completely, I wouldn't have put him anywhere near the same bracket as um, Brad Shepard but he's, he's definitely like him and, and Brian Alvarez in particular their opinions for me sometimes can can border on distasteful <laughs> um, there was something that uh, Brad, oh, Brad Shepard I was going to say that everything he says is distasteful <laughs> uh, but, um, the, the Dave Meltzer one recently was uh, oh, he said something about um, female wrestlers selling their ring gear and putting out photos on like yes. um, behind paywalls and essentially said the the women with the better bodies will be able to do that for more money kind of thing. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a bit crass. That's not for yeah. me. Um, so like things like that. But again, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm perfect. Everybody can open themselves up to, to, to any kind of comment online because that's just the way the internet is. And obviously wrestling journalism is... It's quite a big catalyst to, to open yourself up. So. Right. <laughs> but I would say it's the kind of thing where if, if you hear somebody reporting something from Meltzer, obviously a lot of stuff's behind that paywall. So people are not going to pay to go back and check what the actual quote is. But try true. and find the quote and then decide for yourself if you believe it or not.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. I think, bottom line, I think my biggest issue with Meltzer, like I say, is I don't, I think a lot of the things he reports more, more often than not turn out to be true. More often than not. I think my opinion is his opinions are very strong and aggressive, and I think because he has such a big fan base, a lot of the people then say, well, if Dave says that, we should feel that way. And it's the same, that he comes out and says, potentially, we're getting John Cena versus Elias at WrestleMania, and he says, quote-unquote, that that is extremely underwhelming. That may be so, but like I'm pretty certain John Cena, who, quite frankly, is in the Mount Rushmore of wrestling, has enough say so in power to say to Vince McMahon, I don't want to come back and wrestle a lice. I'm pretty certain John Cena would have signed off on that if this happens. Like, you know, so maybe it might be underwhelmed with some people, but John Cena quite clearly, if this does happen, is fully invested in that feud. So, like I, said, I think I think a lot of his opinions on things are, if it doesn't take place in New Japan or AEW, it's a bit, you know... He's uh, very I would... biased, I think, but at the same time, I think he has also said something along the lines like, if you get like a three and a half star under a WWE, that is the equivalent of having like a four and a half to five star match in New Japan, just purely because of the different lessons out and how they book things.
3: I'd I, yeah. I agree with that in terms of the kind of uh, opinion being kind of compromised a wee bit, but that was even the like when you report something like the John Cena and Elias thing, if you're next sentence as your opinion on it then again mm-hmm. through no fault no matter how credible the first line is when you put your opinion afterwards people will take it as opinion and that kind of discredits it the personal note on that was uh, I'd actually again na- na- so say that to anyway, me, so I'm, this was purely opinion but um, there was a tweet about who would you like to see John Cena face and I was like well, there is the obvious name but I'd like to see him face Elias because of the last couple of years at WrestleMania so I think mm-hmm. the story's there so that's what mm-hmm. I personally I think Oh, the I, sto- I think the it's quite a
1: good story,
2: story aye? yep so Moving back to yourself, you you first came on Our radar uh, on ICW's Facebook page with a few videos for BBC, and then you were on the Grado and Rab Florence's wrestling daft. You do a, quite a, a weekly segment with that now, and since then, since this whole stuff with Triple H and Page on the BT Sports bus tour in January, you you've blown up basically. You're a big name fr- from my from my perspective but you've also got a full-time job. So you've got all these names that you've interviewed recently, and you've got Regal, um, Rhea Ripley, Trent Seven, Stephanie McMahon, you've got all these big names. How are you able to juggle all that alongside your full-time job? Uh,
3: good question. We're we very unhappy fiancés, probably, the best way I can answer that. <laughs> um, no, uh, so, so basically, like, um, again, up until, say, the, the turn of the year, um, so I do a full-time job, and I'm quite happy to disclose what that is. I'm, I'm a subtitler um, for what BBC Channel 4, Channel 5, um, pretty much just creating the subtitles for no live and pre-recorded television across the UK. And that's something that, again, it's, it's shift work. Um, so I could be working 6-2, I could be working 4-12, whatever. Um, but it's just the kind of thing where because it's shift work and... But because I'm obviously catching <laughs> you in the journals, um, I'm not going to say that's always going to be the way. But again, up until the so so the reason January was so big, and you mentioned the the Triple H and Page thing, um, what happened was I managed to to essentially get like WWE access, um, which I have been getting for the past maybe almost a year. Um, but I got it on a, a, a bigger level and got to go into like NXT UK takeover Blackpool too and cover that, mm-hmm. and then through BT Sport and WWE's move. To that, just it so happened that that same week, a couple of days later, um, BT Sport were doing a launch party, and I got to go and um, do interviews on a BT branded bus, and then go to the launch party that night. So that for me, it, what it involved was um, a few kind of swapping shifts with some of my some of my very kind colleagues, and taking some annual leave, um, which eventually would, would mean I was off work for say ten days from um, my actual day job, but. Like I, I'd say, like the, the wrestling, that I'm gone. It's not really a, like. So when I went down to Blackpool, I was eight in the morning till say two o'clock in the afternoon doing interviews obvious. But some people will say it's a job for me. I was getting to talk to wrestlers, brilliant. exactly, I know. Um, And then like I, the next night, I was obviously going to take over. Uh, and then like the the BP thing again, I was on a bus talking to wrestlers, absolutely brilliant. And then going to a, a launch party, watching some wrestling, drinking drinking some free beer. Um, so it's a kind of thing where I'm gonna For me, it's not really juggling a job because it's something I'm passionate about. And I think that's the, the cut-off for me, where I'm going, if it starts to feel like a job, I would probably stop doing it. So I probably would end up just with the one job. Um, but no, I find, it, I find it really easy to juggle the two of them. Um, we'll see how that goes for the rest of the year. But like, <laughs> if I go through January, because that was probably the busiest uh, month I'll ever have, but if I go through that, I will probably be fine <laughs> find going forward.
1: Um, just, so I'll, I'll fire off two quick questions here. Um, first, Aye. obviously, you're talking about you getting a lot of WWE access are you potentially getting any access to AEW wrestlers at all anytime soon? And the next question, obviously, when Triple H made that joke about Paige, as soon as he says it, what was kind of going through your head? Because for a moment, it kind of seemed like it was like, what did he just say? Kind of almost awkward, like a split split second where it was just sort of silence. Um, I kind of have an idea of himself what he meant by it, but I'm just keen to... feel what you feel about
3: that i so i like very happy to answer both of them like i always say i'm an open book when it comes to it and so the AEW stuff um again i've been i've, I've got like a wee bit of access to them which involves being on conference calls um with, with Cody Rhodes uh, all of them have been with Cody Rhodes thus far and um, aw have not done a media conference call with anyone other than Cody Rhodes so i've been on those calls i've spoke to Cody Rhodes um I have interviewed AEW folk, but not through AEW. No, um, right. So it's a wee bit a tricky one where I interviewed Chris Jericho, but that was through the Chris Jericho crews, but obviously I did speak about AEW because, again, mo- most people are quite happy with asking anything, as long as you ask it in the right way. Um, I've spoke to Marco Stunt, um, but that was before he was in AEW. And then the, the most recent one was Dustin Rhodes, Uh, who I actually was speaking to about his acting career, uh, at which I've contacted his acting agent to get that interview. And then also was like, it's for a wrestling website. Is there any chance I can ask, like, maybe split the interview half and half, half about the the acting, half about the wrestling. And they understand, because I'm going, who's going to read about, like, people will, but who's going to read about Dustin Rhodes acting in comparison to who's going to read about both Dustin Rhodes acting and Dustin Rhodes in AEW. So if you group the two together, more people are going to read and they'll get more eyes on it. So that's the kind of thing that um, AEW, I'm hoping that I'll get more of them going forward. Uh, We did have discussions back in January and they said to look back round in February to get an interview. They asked me for a few few names. That didn't come to fruition because the conference call came up um, but they're saying towards the end of the month hopefully the chance will be there. So hopefully it will happen. looking forward to it, I've not interviewed many people for there. like I said, I've spoke to Cody Rhodes I've spoke to Crash Jericho, I've spoke to Dustin Rhodes I would be like, delighted to interview any of them again and Aye. obviously anybody else um, the, the Triple H one um, so you, you're pretty spot on with what you said in terms of so so we are sitting there and it was me that asked the question, That was the second question that got asked on that round table and this was very early in the morning and it felt like it was trying to wake us up a wee bit and, and kind of make the odd wee joke. And the first question, and then when I asked that one, the way I see it, and when I spoke to Paige, she kind of confirmed that she thought this as well. I thought he said, um, for anybody that doesn't know about it, um, what I asked was, do you think Edge or Paige will return to the Royal Rumble? Thankfully, one of them came true, but it kind of got <laughs> overshadowed anyway. Um, but um, But I asked that, and essentially, Triple H was talking about, He'd love to see them both back in the ring. Who wouldn't he put both of them over quite a bit? But that all got lost because um, the comment he said was, what comes first is their health. And he said, Edge has got kids, Paige. And then kind of stopped himself. And I believe he was going to say, Paige has got kids. And he realised that, uh, there was a recent news story, that Paige can't have kids. So I think he thought that was going to be a really bad comment to make. Stopped himself from saying that and then made a joke that, I, it depends. Public opinion would, as probably overall, that is quite a distasteful joke. I'd probably agree with that, but I don't think it, there was any malice in it whatsoever, um, and it was just. oh, Page has probably got some kids somewhere, and I do think it was a harmless joke. But that was. Um, I was just lucky that when I asked that, um, the, the the very next interview I was going to be doing was with Paige, so I knew I could fall off <laughs> on it. But I get called out for um, for not immediately asking Triple H what he meant by that. But a lot of people don't realise this was in a room full of... It was 30 journalists Oof. trying to get through as many questions as possible, just sitting round a table. Um, thankfully, I got to speak to him later on that night, but it was that the one later on that night was restricted to NXT UK questions because it was following the event. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, it's a kind of thing, There was a hush and then a kind of awkward laughter. And I think people... Like, I didn't really think it at first. And then when I thought more about it, I'm like, oh, man. The one thing... This thought quickly ran through my head and I will say I quickly cut this thought out was um I was sitting getting ready to publish the audio for that uh, that question and I'm like I'm gonna have really but want to publish that joke because I know that no matter what the, the rest of the answer they could have said absolutely it and I, I confirmed CM punks with them and maybe they would have because 'cause they'd have picked up the joke uh-huh. because that's just the way the world does is, now. Um but I'm like, I need to put it out. I'm gonna canny edit the joke out because and this ended up happening, I'm going, if anybody else was to put the audio up of that interview, and people found out that I've cut out a joke, I've manipulated the media that I'm putting out there, and I've lost all credibility. Aye. And that, again, it was something that only ran through my head for a second, and I'm like, no, there's no, like, I'm putting the joke out there. Um, I said, I, I, like, I typed up the article, and I'm going, I'm not doing an article on the joke, but the video is going to be an article with the joke in it, so people can see for themselves, make up their own minds, I'm not going to be the person that sensationalises this joke and gets... The trouble, um, but I was like, I'll put it out there because I know for a fact that unless anything happens like, really drastically, I know I'll get the chance to talk to Triple H about it in the future and if I do then I will ask him his thoughts on it and hopefully put it out there but I was just lucky that the very next interview I had was with Paige so I knew I could clear up that way and again that was the very first question I asked when I said to Paige I'm like don't want to bring this up, but I need to ask you one tough question, and the rest is just going to be like, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And I did say, we'll get this out of the way. Ask the question, and she kind of confirmed what I thought. Well, she's like, if we said the joke in private, I would have probably laughed and thought it was okay. It was just because of the circumstances. She thought it was a wee bit distasteful, and it just kind of came out the blue, and, and obviously she wasn't, wasn't too happy with it, but she did say that they'd had the discussion, and that was the morning before or the morning of him putting out the tweet apologising publicly for it um, so the kind of thing that I think, you know, it's, it's Triple H and I think he's built up enough goodwill that people kind of can forgive and forget like the odd wee thing like that but I, it was a bit of a, it was an unfortunate one, Um, but it was the kind of thing that I actually like, I think it worked out, like this sounds like a selfish way of saying it, it worked out well for me but only because I feel like I went about it in the right way mm-hmm. uh, otherwise it could have been disastrous
2: well obviously we're sort of wrapping up time wise here I was going to ask you about ICW at the moment and how there's quite a heavy Scottish contingency throughout WWE but maybe we could get you on at a later date to talk about that in more detail so Ricky do you want to finish us up for the the wee session here
1: yeah I I think I might know the answer to this just based on how the conversations went but has there been a moment in your career that, that you're extremely proud of or just Maybe if you want to, it might not be one specific thing, it might be a, a combination of different things, but is there anything that kind of stands out? You're like, I'm extremely proud of that, whether it be like an interview or meeting someone or a, an
3: article that you published. Aye, um, so I'll run through a few of them, because i still got a wee bit of time, I'm, I'm, I'm not too urgent yet, um, but I will say I'll definitely come back on and talk about ICW and, and Scottish wrestling in the future, because that's one thing I'm, I'm very passionate about, so Aye, good, good. definitely whenever you will have me, I'll be back on. Um, I'm Gonna run through a few of these because there is a few things that have just been like mind blowing for me. Um the first one obviously is is meeting Triple H. Uh, like I say he's what he's one guy that when I was younger, he wasn't ever one of my favourite wrestlers, but obviously he was always there. Um and it is like just for what he's done, both as a wrestler, like in the ring, he's obviously he's a Hall of Famer BDX. Again, I think it's like Vince McMahon where for the out-of-the-ring stuff, he won't be put in the Hall of Fame until he's dead, probably by his own wishes. Um, but I think Triple H has done an incredible amount for wrestling. Even if I just look at NXT, if I take into account NXT takeover events, every one of them has been outstanding. And for me, that's a lot of it in part is due to Triple H. And obviously a lot of the rest of the team, like Matt Bloom, William Regal, Shawn Michaels have all had big says and the talent as well. Um, but that meeting Triple H is just like, it's the kind of thing where I'm like, I'm um, like I said, first and foremost, I'm I'm a fan, and um, I'll make sure everything I put out there is accurate in terms of writing and interviews. But I, I'm a fan, uh, and the second I stop enjoying wrestling, the second I stop writing about it. So meeting him was absolutely incredible. Uh, one wee one that I had even just today. So I'm I'm a huge fan of Rhea Ripley, and um, she is one of my favourite wrestlers. Uh, and getting to ask her a few questions was brilliant. But the best thing about it is see those conference calls. So you'll go in with say I'll go in with ten questions prepped because you don't know when you're going to get to ask your question. People might already have asked your question, uh, so you're like you need to go in with more stuff prepped than uh-huh. you ever would hope to hope to ask. So her a couple of questions, like generic stuff um, about obviously our match with Charlotte Flair coming up, and well, um, how she'd feel if Bianca Belair got be put into the match, and. It turned out there was more time, so if you want another question, you just press a couple of buttons. I pressed the buttons before even thinking of the question, Uh, and when it came back, I was a wee bit garbage. Uh, So asked her about the Shayna Baszler biting Becky Lynch thing, Uh, and again, like this is my favourite thing about any interview is just when you make one of the talents laugh, and she was just sitting there like giggling away for ages before she asked the question. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, just getting to like interact in that way with Uh you. Obviously, being on the bus, uh, the BT bus, that for me was incredible. I got to talk to like uh, with Charlotte Flair, Andrade, Paige, uh, Sheamus, Kurt Angle. And as being on a double-decker bus in London, getting to talk to like, wrestlers you even grew up watching, them. like, man, that's the kind of thing you just never, ever think you're going to get to do. And like I said, that night I went to the, the launch party. And there was a lot of folk just cutting about for you to meet and kind of talk to. One of which was Stephanie McMahon, who I got to say, oh, I got to uh, speak to you in a conference call, um, which was amazing. And she was like very grateful for that, grateful for all the coverage. And like uh, Rick Flair was another one. Kane Velasquez was another one. Just standing meeting everybody. Uh-huh. Um, but the one the one crowning like achievement for me, um, th- this is like kind of a really generic being for Glasgow, being a complete mark thing. <laughs> um, was at NXT UK Takeover Blackpool Two? We were meant to do the the post show thing, um, which was essentially a a wee mini conference with Triple H just to speak about the event. So after that, what you do is um, you get told a designated point of the venue to go and stand at. Um, if you're a journalist, WWE do it the right way, where they always um, put you behind the hard camera, so you're never on screen. Uh, essentially, just to. So you don't compromise journalistic integrity by looking like you're cheering on screen and stuff, which is fine anyway, because again, I will say we're all fans. Um, but they, they put you behind the hard cam, and then the meeting point was just at the side of the ring. So we walked to the side of the ring afterwards, and they're breaking down the ring and all this nonsense. They're breaking down all the chairs, So it's loud as etting, and they say, right, um, we, we can't, uh, can't actually have the, the conference. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be cancelled. Um, we can't have the conference here. We need to go backstage. And I'm like, oof, Yeah, dancer. Um, <laughs> so I got to go backstage, and that was, like, a, it was two specific things that happened, uh, or kind of two and a half, where we're walking backstage, and they're, like, obviously the, the, the rules apply, no photos, don't, like, talk to anybody, just kind of follow us through. We'll go to that specific place. This was maybe me and about five other people, maybe six other people. We'll go to that specific place where they've got the board set up, where they do all the interviews for backstage, um, with, the, like, the media boards. Cool, walking through and, a. Uh, Joe Coffey, who had would oh. um, interviewed earlier that day, and who I, I've spoken to, and again, I always say that thing where I'm a Rangers fan, obviously, he's a Celtic fan, where I'm like, mate, you'll hate me, because I'm a wrestling journalist and a Rangers fan, so that's like your two worst nightmares, <laughs> um, but I was walking through, and obviously, he'd just finished his match with Walter, and was still looking pretty tired, we'll say, pretty knackered, because it was a, a long match, and obviously, a physical one with Walter, but he looked up, and before I say that, he was like, alright, Gary, I'm like... Remembered my name, that's brilliant. It's uh, just one of the ones. I'm going, obviously, a lot of Glasgow wrestlers do. i have gone, he's had a big time, he's a number of me, and he remembers <laughs> my name. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, But the, the two bits, like, the, the main bits, was. Uh, so I went backstage. My mate always slags me for this, and there was two moments. The first one was uh, I turned around, and I seen Triple H and Shawn Michaels talking to each other just about the event. And I'm like, fuck, if I could take a photo of that, that would probably be like, just nobody ever believe that I was stunning backstage and WWE watching these two legends talk about the event they've just put on uh, which I'm like that is mind blown mm-hmm. but the second one that I don't know why it blows that out of the water and my mate always slags me for this because he's like nothing can beat uh, like seeing Shawn Michaels and Triple H just talking about the event is I turned run and I just I forgot to work there and I was like El Prince Albert, <laughs> like, <"El-tentai-storin.">
2: Prince Albert. <laughs>
3: Matt Bloom was literally like a couple of steps behind me, and I'm like, I don't know why that was the like, kind of thing that blew me away that much. I think it was just no expecting it, and he's <laughs> like, mate, you've like my mate has gone you've just seen Triple H talking to Shawn Michaels and you're going to talk to Triple H two seconds later and you're like there's Matt Bloom marking it for Matt, Matt Bloom <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, like it's just the kind of thing like, there's just the beyond things that you aye, don't really expect stuff. to see and that's they'll always take you by surprise uh, but that that's definitely one of the highlights weirdly enough in that in that list
2: <laughs> that might be the first time Matt Bloom has been mentioned on the Rick and Clive podcast so <laughs> well done
3: and they got a fair few mentions there as well <laughs> aye
2: well Gary, thanks very much for coming on. Uh as I say, we'll try and get you on soon and talk about the exciting stuff that's going on for ICW and Scottish wrestling in general. But before you go, you want to drop all your details for us?
3: I definitely I'll just say thanks for having me on. Like uh I, I say it's the kind of thing where I'm like even if it can be like five, ten, whatever minutes, I'm always happy to come on mm-hmm. if I've got the the, the time and I'm no like in work in subtitling then I'm happy to come on and talk about absolutely anything you wanted to talk about. So just give me a shout and I'll happily come back on. Good
2: stuff. Um, Bye
3: the the shameless plugs, thankfully you've put a load of them in there for me, so I don't need to do too many. Um, but I'm Gary Cassidy on Twitter. Um, so if you search my name, hopefully I'll come up. I've been trying to get the at Gary Cassidy handle for ages of uh, someone that's got like 20 followers that doesn't even use Twitter, but they know for giving up, so I've accepted that. And I've got like my, my handle printed on a few things, so I'm like, I don't really want to replace all that. So it's just it's conscious, Gary. It's C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-G-A-R-Y. It's C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-G-A-R-Y um, if you go in there, the one thing that I always like want everybody to watch is the, the like you mentioned earlier, the BBC, the social video, which I've got pinned. Mm-hmm. I've done two of them. The first one was uh, about being on the receiving end of the question. You to watch wrestling. You know, it's fake, right? Um, but the second one, which obviously that one resonated with a lot of people and it was pretty cool. But the second one, which is the, the one that I'm, I'm kind of most proud of, was uh, the, the William Regal interview. And that was essentially the easiest interview I've ever done because I said to William Regal, would you be able to uh, talk to me about wrestling uh, Scottish wrestling in particular if I just say to you like this is the topic I no worries um, again the weird thing about that is he introduced himself to me as Darren and I'm like that's the weirdest thing ever oh, so that oh. goes in the highlights as well <laughs>
0: um,
3: but no so I just said to him alright mate can you talk about Scottish wrestling and off he went and this video is edited down to like 3-4 minutes but he spoke to me for 15 minutes about sharing my hotel in Shetland with Justin Thunder Liger about um, <laughs> pretty much that I the weirdest things ever, um, and then just about uh, the coffees being the first people they contacted for the UK tournament, uh-huh. they weren't available, so I didn't borrow their sport, a lot of stuff like that, there's just a lot of nice wee plugs in there for places in Scotland like Bucky and Witch and stuff like that, so if you go on my Twitter, that's the very top video, everything else is linked to there, my sportskeeper profile is linked for there, so you can go and troll through all my stuff and, and see what rubbish I've been talking and and hold me accountable for any stories I put out there. that Oh, we will. We will definitely. Uh, but, uh, if you go on there, you'll, you'll see I've it on my Twitter. So feel free to do that. Or, or obviously, uh, hopefully, I'll be on here again. So if you if you keep tuning in, you'll, you'll hopefully hear me again on this very show.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, uh, we really appreciate you
2: taking the
3: time to come on. No, thanks for having us on. I appreciate it.
2: Right, cheers, Gary. Thank you. All right, thank you. Cheers, guys. Right. Thank you. Cheers. cheers, bye. All right. Well, Ricky. I think I'll have to sort of reconsider my stance on wrestling journalism as a whole. That was quite the, the frank and honest interview. It was a really good one. Glad we had him on.
1: No, it was really good. Um, in the fact that he said himself that he doesn't like to be called a journalist. Um, and I, I think I think the most impressive thing there was that the one thing I've always wanted people to do is for people to be held accountable for what you say and do and stuff especially like reports and when you put stuff out he seems to be like well when I put something out I will be held accountable for it because this is my work and Uh this is you know so I I appreciated that I really like that and the fact that he said he's happy to come on again talk ICW or talk Scottish wrestling in general we'll definitely be having him on again like hopefully as soon as possible
2: excellent good stuff right so moving on to the second portion of the show and we're going to look at the what has turned into quite a divisive NXT takeover from Portland this past Sunday we were going to have um, a large sexy black man on the show but Keith Lee couldn't join us this week so Rance Morris how are you today sir hey
4: if I'm second to Keith Lee I'll accept that I'm good with that what's up guys
2: all good sir yourself
4: Good man. It's a uh, good to, good to be back together again cuz you know the show is called the Ricky and Clive wrestling show and friends. I'm the and friends part. So it's good to be back.
2: And if if you sort of mishear the friends part it does sound like Rance.
4: <laughs> there you go. Like if you say it with you guys accent really fast, it sounds like me.
2: <laughs> so Rance. How did you enjoy yes, NXT Takeover Portland?
4: So man, boy, that was a god. That that, that was a. I was exhausted watching the internet that show, emotionally, <laughs> physically. I think that might be easily top three, top five takeovers of all time. Really? But yeah, oh my god, it was it was one of the best they've ever done. But the shit that was either nothing was bad but the stuff that just stood out really stood out and not in a positive way.
1: Right.
2: What about you, Ricky? I,
1: I would echo that. I would echo that. I would go as far as to say that it's one of the very best wrestling shows we'll see um, for match, the match quality itself. Um, like I said, a couple of things bother me, especially the ending. But, I mean, just purely for the the matches and what we witnessed, phenomenal, phenomenal. Pound for pound, like I say, is as good as any takeover you've got in any wrestling show you'll probably see, I think.
2: I, ha- I do agree. And that tag team match was wild, absolutely wild. And I, was, I said to you privately on Monday morning, I think, I said, is it just me or is Pete done?" Actually got better, and I know he's only in his early twenties. But I know it was also in a sort of four-man match. But Pete Dunne stood out as an absolute star in that match, and it was it was organised chaos with that sort of British strong style thing that they that they all bring. Really, they've got that sort of nasty MMA streak going on, and it was just pulverising. But the The jack and Keith Lee stuff that was bonkers as well. I I could like, I don't really have the words for that match particularly. So please, someone help me out.
4: Well, well, to to go back to the tag match for a second, the irony of you saying that they all kind of have the MMA hybrid kind of British style type style is that the only one who doesn't legitimately have a background in Pretty strong style. Speaking of MMA, is Pete done? Because <laughs> Roddy, I'm not Roddy. Because Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly could go fight in UFC tomorrow. Like they're that trained in those arts. Uh-huh. And you know, Matt Riddle was a top five. I think it was a welterweight when he was there. Um, so you know, Pete. It's just Pete. Just came from where he come from. He came from Dudley.
2: Yep, Midlands area. Yep.
4: Yeah, like so he it, it just picked it all up naturally. Just he's just a savant. Um if you wanna if we wanna start with the Keith Lee okay. Iakovich match, um it looked that match reminded me of uh I know <laughs> I know Mooch hates oh Ricky, excuse me, sorry. <laughs> K okay, Fabe.
2: Shoot, shoot name Klaxon.
4: <laughs> I know Ricky hates comic books, but your son loves them. So, have you guys seen the Superman Man of Steel movie with him with Henry Cavill? Loved it. You remember the final fight between <laughs> Superman and Zod?
2: How could I forget it?
4: That's what this was. <laughs> That's what that match was. It's ridiculous. It's and then. I don't even. I'm not even a big fan of like doing stupid stuff to do stupid stuff. But when it's done by a guy six two three twenty and a guy six six two seventy five, I kind of give it a pass.
2: What I loved about this one, Ricky, maybe more than the others, because obviously it had the takeover length and the sort of luster of many thousands in attendance, as well as the crazy spot monkey stuff they start. They did. I mean, Dijak's springboards. On uh, Jesus. somersault Jesus. onto the chair, oh, that God. was a couple of inches, and Jack was paralysed for life. Yeah, um, but there was the big men spots as well. They were charging each other in the ring, uh, slowed it down. So they had both pages of just breakneck speed and the uh, immovable object versus the something force. What is that bloody term again? The
4: immovable object versus the irresistible
1: force irresistible force, yes. force. yep yeah like I said a couple of botches but it's funny um, I remember I spoke to Josh of keeping it strong style um, I think we were on the phone to each other yeah we were and we were talking about we don't actually mind botches in a match the problem is when you maybe try to redo, recreate that spot again and then maybe it you fuck up again or whatever it's just like alright oh, we fucked it let's just move on you know like shit happens like and I've always said it so many times like when when sometimes you see things looking a bit chaotic and a bit like oh that did not look very fluid it kind of adds to it because it's, it's a fight at the end of the day um, I didn't think it was possible for the previous matches to be topped it like, yeah. this was my favourite out of... The, was it this, this is a fourth match now, I think. I think so. Like, uh, uh, fuck, it just... It was unbelievable, like... You know, this was my favourite, like I say, out of the four matches that they've had so far. Mm-hmm. Um, That should probably draw a conclusion to also we shouldn't really see these two in the ring again. I don't think as great as as in-ring action it is, I'm ready to see Keith Lee move on to something else now. Um and-
4: I was just going to say, it's hilarious you brought up botches real quick before we move on from that. Because the botches helped the match. Like the spirit bomb where Dajakovic, he hit him so hard, he ended up standing on his feet.
2: Yes, that's right.
4: Like That was amazing. Because it looked like it was supposed to happen, but that was a botch.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
4: You know, like they because they're two titans. They're two Herculean behemoths. Like, you like that you know that adverse nice. words come thank you, thank you. Beautiful. Hashtag journalism. Since <laughs> this, this is a real journalistic show now.
2: Yeah. You yeah. Know, <laughs> um Reporter show. <also, laughs> not journalism it's still a bad way. But no
4: mate <laughs> But it helped yeah. It I think the just helped the match to your point, Rick.
1: Yeah, and sometimes that that like you say is that can happen. Um and it, they it, it weren't, like, so glaringly obvious, but it was like, oh, that just looks so ugly. Like you said, it kind of helped and kind of tied into some of the things, because when... I can't remember, was it the... ah, oh, What was it going for? Was it going for the power bomb? No, I can't remember. Dijakovic, and he kind of, like, stumbled and couldn't get Keith Lee up. It's like, that could tie into the whole oh. And, oh, Keith Lee's such a big dude. You know, so... The your like,
4: eyes at the end, yeah.
1: Yep, yeah, so... Yeah, man, like one of the absolute very best matches. It'll be... I I think it'll be right up there in terms of one of the matches of the year, certainly when it comes to, like, an NXT, WWE um, perspective. Um, Just a great, great way to start the show.
4: But it it wasn't even the top three matches of the night.
1: Well...
2: That's the
4: crazy thing.
1: hmm. That's... It may have been my favorite.
2: Well it's it's hard for me to pinpoint, but it was in my top three definitely.
4: Well if 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 I may steal from my tag team partner Kyle and use some journalism to kind of segue my favorite match was the next one.
2: I wonder why. I wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) Dirty beast.
4: I mean, other reasons,
2: but that, did, that didn't hurt. But other reasons. No, the you would think it would be hard to follow. You now the whole follow that MFS, uh, but Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai put on a very good match. I thoroughly enjoyed it. the The violence was on point. What What I liked specifically about it was you had the random appearance at the end of Raquel Gonzalez. Um, sans chapless leather pants which was a shame but um, (laughs) at first I was thinking that's a bit random I mean you've got quite a few other women on that roster who could easily fill that space but the beauty of that is Dakota Kai has been so self-destructive recently that she's alienated everyone both heels and faces nobody wants anything to do with her so who else would you bring in apart from someone completely new completely new um, and it was a, a bit of an ugly bump that Tegan Knox took at the end there. But this this match was rife with the old symbolism. With the you said to me it was a laptop. I thought it was the base of the the bell. And the, remember the was that yeah, definitely a laptop with
4: the knee. It was a laptop. No, it was a it was a la- the base of the bell would would doesn't make that type of a pop. That was yeah. a damn laptop.
2: But to hit that with the knee, the the chain with the knee, sort of chain symbolising the cages they were locked in at the chamber uh, at War Games, and when Dakota Kai's head was trapped in the chair, and it looked as if her head was about to be punted off, that was sort of indicative of their altercation at War Games, it was just I was in love with it in love with the match, Rance
4: Excuse me Okay Um, So the reason this was my favourite match is because I think it was impeccably wrestled and it wasn't violence just for the sake of violence. And far too often, I think, with death match wrestling and hardcore wrestling and how often it is and how much there's gore for the purpose of gore and doing crazy spots for the purpose of just having crazy spots, it kind of takes away from the point of why you would do the crazy spots. Everything in this match was a, had a purpose. You mentioned it. The laptop was to the knee was a purpose, having the chain, there was a purpose. Like, everything in that match had a purpose. Um, But besides that, I think these two women, who, both of whom had never had a singles match in a TakeOver, Mm -hmm. both of them, the, the fact that they went out there after the spot that they were given, and to almost be the change of pace bathroom match, and to go out there and wrestle that well of a match and get the crowd that interested like it, it it was it was beautifully done and like they deserve a massive round of applause and i think it was the perfect ending because not only did you like you said did Dakota alienate everybody she needed to somebody else had to come help her but it's a hoss. and it's yep. always good when a smaller person has a big person watching their back uh-huh. so now if Teagan wants to go to Dakota, she's got to go through a damn near six foot, you know, Pelagnes. huge Texan woman. Yeah,
1: Ricky. Pretty much everything Rant said. Um, <laughs> it was. It wasn't my favorite match tonight, but it was. It was still a. It was still a really good match. Um. Yeah, like, the story will continue. Um, yeah, like I actually, I don't really have much more to add on to what Rand says. I think Rand's pretty much nailed everything there in his assessment.
2: Well, the next match, and I did mean to get back round to watching it, it's just time has escaped me, but when this was on in the house, kids were playing up, I was distracted, so I don't really have much to add with regards to Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano. So if you want to go ahead with that one, you can give the, the first take on that. Because I've not got much to add to this one, really.
1: This was a match that I was most looking forward to. Um, It was was pretty damn good. (laughs) Pretty damn good. Um, The moment where Finn had him in like the headlock, the scissor lock, um, and we started doing the press ups.
2: Ah, that was amazing.
1: (laughs) Just like a little shit, you like you arrogant bastard kind of thing. Um, thankfully, the right man won. Um, I think, obviously, based on what happened later on that evening, you kind of, you might, you can understand why they went with Finn because now everyone forgets about Gargano losing because this was Gargano's uh, first big match back from his from an injury, etc. Yeah, it was it delivered in every sense it, it, it expected it to um, I was I wouldn't have minded it um, being longer the feud itself as opposed to like I don't mean the match um, obviously like I say they're going elsewhere now with Gargano and I don't really know what the plan is now with Finn mm. maybe they'll go Finn Adam Cole at some point Um, but that's heel on heel will they do that we'll see Um. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. I think this is pro- it was probably my uh, gun to my head, probably my second favourite match of the night if I'm honest. Um after I would say probably after um
4: the opening match. So this match and the and the main event Suffer from an issue that I wait to really get into to the main event, but kind of like all the, I think the the over necessary bloat of the main event style of NXT, and we'll talk about it when we get to Cole and chomp and more. But so mm. I'll give uh, three quick points about the match because I, I, it was a great match. So my, my first point was it, it was. And it was a wonderfully wrestled match, but I didn't care about it until like the second half because I knew it was gonna be thirty minutes. So like mentally I'm like, eh, I'll just pay attention to it and really get into it when I know they're ramping it up. Because I know gargano matches. Like, that's something me and something me and Clive kinda laugh about personally. Oh yes. About gargano matches. Um <clears throat> The second point was and maybe it was because of, I I wasn't against the match. It was actually one of the matches I was most excited about going into it. But maybe it was because of kind of that apathy of going into it in the first half. But it felt almost heatless for a while until, like, they ramped it up. Um. So, like, in my mind, I looked at it as maybe the best match you could watch in a long time that didn't really matter. That was just to me. I'm not because I don't want to make that like that was the, like Portland loved it. Everybody I talked to loved it. That was just to me. But lastly, and I think most importantly going forward, man, look, Finn Balor, they they got some with dude. Like I don't know, maybe maybe whenever somebody's like not doing well or they're like they're stuck or they're stagnant, go get married. Because, like, <laughs> this dude got married. My God. Like, my favorite part of the match is, this. there's a joke in here, Clive, was at the end when he beat him. And, like, he stood over him for, like, 45 seconds in his face, like, paintbrushing him and talking trash. Mm-hmm. And the ref's like, bro, the match over. Like, I love that. Mm-hmm. Because you can tell, like, he's really locked in. Uh, he He looks amazing. Uh yeah, Finn Balor's a star. And much like Alistair Black had to kick the alignment out of Johnny Gargano, maybe Finn Balor kicked it back into him.
2: (laughs) 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 uh To touch
1: on to touch on to point number two. Like, I mean, I, I completely agree there. Like, come on, like Finn or I'm talking to Gargano here, like Finn put you out of action for however long it was again.
4: Three or four
1: you know, months, like, yeah. Yeah, like, so, that's my issue, and I, I'm almost certain, I think, Smojo and AJ Styles, first match, before their match in Australia, they started off with like a headlock. It's like, what <laughs> the fuck are you like? You, dude's been at your home, and saying shit about your wife, like, no, it, like, you just, collar and elbow out, tie up, yeah. Yes, Ugh. you just start punching, it, and that's what I loved about, the Australia match, some Joe didn't even reach the ring and jJ Styles' music came on and then they started brawling in the in the aisle. Um, kind epic shot they had. That yep. epic shot
4: down, on, yep. down the aisle. Yeah.
1: It reminded me of Diesel versus Shawn Michaels in your house. Yep. Where Shawn Michaels is walking down and he's always starting to take his top off, drops the title belt, gets straight in, takes it to Diesel and knocks Diesel out of the ring. I absolutely love that, like, so when when it's a, like, quote-unquote quote, blood feud or there's so much hatred there, like, don't start the match off like your, like, the normal standard way. hmm A minor gripe, well, not so much minor, it's, it's a major thing.
2: It's been a me, gripe for you for but a long still, time. Uh, yeah. So I can of, like, that's, say uh, to steal a rant, isn't consistent of you? Thanks. You're welcome. Hey.
4: There we go. Journal. Look at us, journalists. Look at us. <laughs> oh. Well, hey, if we're if we're only going by our kayfabe names, then don't no, call me Rance. Call me Ray. How about Ray,
1: that? Mr. Cash.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, call me
2: Rance. <laughs> R-E-Y as in Romano.
4: <laughs> <laughs> See, Romano is R a y. That's why That's I, I do that. There you go. I pr- it was proven right on live on air. That's why I say R e y because he's the only R.E.Y. that I know.
2: Well, speaking of wrestlers who have Ray at the start of their name, uh, Uh Rhea Ripley.
4: Oh, God. Terrible segue. That is terrible.
2: Kyle Moores. (laughs) Kyle Moores, put that in your pipe and smoke it, sir. That was the best segue of all time.
4: Oh, man. I needed that laugh. That's great.
2: Segway King, that was amazing. Kyle Moores, his his, his job is over. I've stolen his um, Squared Circle Sage moniker, and now I'm the the Segway King, right? So, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, really, really enjoyed this match. This was a this was basically, although Bianca Belair's not like tall and domineering this was a horse match for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was She's big. She is big, but she's not sort of, for instance, Raquel Gonzalez big.
4: She's like Cesaro. She's not y- built Yes, spot
2: big. on. Uh, yeah. But the match itself was a belter, I thought. I really, I didn't, I was looking forward to it going in, but I was um, more than, it, it over exceeded my expectations. I don't know about you guys.
4: Well, let me ask you guys this question real quick before we get into it. Because I know we're going to talk about kind of the controversy of Rhea winning and Bianca maybe being left out. But let me ask you this. When I think about WrestleMania triple threat matches, the person who should hold the belt, in my mind, is always the person who needs the most help going into the match, right? I say that because the other two normally can build the match on their own, just on their own charisma. Is Rhea going into it with these three characters, Rhea, Charlotte, and Bianca to y'all? as great as she is and as great as she's been, doesn't she look at like the, the weakest of the three st- from a star quality-wise? Uh, are you...
1: Is, are you assuming it's going to be a triple threat?
4: Well, I'm just saying... Well, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be a triple threat, but even just looking at... I guess this is... I am guess I'm trying to give credence to the people who thought that Bianca should have won.
2: To answer... Th- yeah, well, we'll discuss what you've said first. Rhea Ripley was made a star in about 10 days in November. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, it was 10 days, same with Keith Lee, one night in Survivor Series, and people will remember him so much that they popped big time at the Royal Rumble. Rhea Ripley, in my opinion, is already a star. I don't think she needs the addition to make it a triple threat to stand out. I'm not sure. Why they're wanting to do a triple threat? If that is the case, but the way things ended, take over with Charlotte stomping on Bianca at the end as well, would suggest that Bianca has unfinished business with Charlotte Flair as well. Um, I'm not really. I don't think she's lacking in star power.
4: How well, much? Because I don't want. I don't want to overshadow the match. But I know. I know, and you guys saw my big my long Twitter post about this but there is a yep. huge portion of the internet community largely black who are really really and Triple H has had to speak about this like it's become a thing that he's had to talk about it that they're really really tired of Bianca being overshadowed because Bianca regardless of how you feel personally about her if you put her neck and neck shoulder to shoulder with every other woman on that roster in some form or fashion, if she isn't better, she's more interesting or she has a better look or she has a better gimmick or there's something about her that you could argue should put them, put her with or above them. And she, I mean, Candace, I think Candace LeRae is the most underutilized talent in the business, but other than Candace, like Bianca will pop out of nowhere and get a push, and then she'll lose a big match, and then you won't see her for a while, and it's really frustrating. And in this sense, I love Rhea Ripley. Me and you, Clive, have like waxed poetic about Rhea Ripley. But the one thing Rhea can't do is talk. Mm-hmm. Like Rhea's not interesting in any form or fashion if she has to open her mouth. <laughs> That's no diss to her. There's no diss. Everybody's not perfect. That's no diss. Mm-hmm. She's a nine out of a ten. That only reaches out of ten is because she has no charisma on the mic. That's cool. She don't need charisma; just sound tough. Bianca's a ten, and she don't even know the business. I know. So it's so it's like, from a wrestling standpoint, she can do anything. From from a look standpoint, I mean, I don't, I can't think of very many people who have not like attractive wise, but who have as good of a look as she has. Uh, charismatic, charisma out the out the wazoo she can talk, and it's not only that she can talk well, but she talked in a way that you're like, damn, that probably that really sounds like her. Uh-huh. So, you know, so I, I, I'm just trying to give credence to the controversy because I think the right person won, but man, it's going to suck for her to get left, left left... This feels like going into WrestleMania 29 when Punk lost to Cena. Uh-huh. And it was Rock... And it yep. was Rock. It was Rock. Cena again. We saw that already. We haven't seen Charlotte Rhea yet, but like, Punk would have been the heater that would have made that match explode. Punk lost to Like I think Bianca can make. Well, Punk lost to Rock in at World right. Rumble, right. and then he lost rematch yep. at Fast Lane, whatever it was. Whatever it but was. if you remember, like three weeks, four weeks or so before WrestleMania. Cena and Rock, Cena and Punk had a match on Raw to see yeah. who would wrestle wrestle Rock. Is that the one
2: with and the power driver? that's the match
4: that that's the one with the power driver. Uh huh. And um, in fact, Punk has said that's the match he's most proud of because, like, they didn't care, and they and like the match made them care because it was so good. But if you if you think about what WrestleMania could have been if that match was a triple threat, regardless of how we feel about Punk now it would have been five times better than it was, in my opinion. And I think adding Bianca to the triple threat will make this match five times better Mm -hmm. because of the different dynamic that she can add. I really didn't mean to take all that time. I'm sorry. Please. So,
1: the thing with Rhea Ripley, I think for people who watched NXT UK, because she was a heel there, and ever since she's been at NXT she'd been a baby face i think if you did present her as a heel she would become more appealing or would be closer to as you said closer to her 10 runs because she's big she's going to be bigger than most of the people um Mm -hmm. she's more physical than just about all of them so like as long as you just come across and talk like you're tough then straight away you're like that's all you need to do in your promo when when you're somewhat when you look like her and that's what kind of what she'd done in NXT UK. So I think if they do eventually turn their heel, she'll have a little bit more charisma or a little bit more to her personality and gimmick. Um, Probably. I'm not one of the people that think that Bianca Belair should have won because you quite rightly pointed out there's only been like eight or nine women have held that title in the space of like eight, eight nine, years. ten years. Nine
4: nine women in eight years. And it's really... And remember, Shayna won it twice.
1: Yep, um, I'm actually. <laughs> I actually think Bianca should have beaten Shayna last year. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, I was yeah. one of those ones that says it, that's when it, that's when Shayna's run should have ended. Um, I think Bianca eventually wins it at some point. I think she's just too damn good not to hold that title. Um, the WrestleMania triple threat makes sense because, like you said, the storyline sense it's already there, but. I'm not sure if they do it like I wouldn't be surprised if maybe if you know they have Charlotte and Bianca have a little kind of mini feud on NXT for the time being I would like to see it because then I think at that point then I think Bianca wins it mm-hmm. um and I think she does so probably beating Rhea because you want to quote quote unquote protect Charlotte or whatever you want to say there um but if it's a straight up singles match I just So I, just, I, just have a, I just have a hard time believing Charlotte's going to win the title at WrestleMania. I know we're quite a far away away. I just have a hard oh, time no. believing
4: that. I don't believe it either, which is part of the reason why I think throwing Bianca in will make it more interesting. Mm-hmm. This um, and and I want to I want to throw it to you. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not trying to take over, but <laughs> I just want to I want to make one more point before. Uh, <laughs> you say your points clive but if you to, to kind of speak to my point about the charisma of Rhea not working you put them together and have Rhea and charlotte stand off it looks great but the dialogue hasn't worked they haven't really had much of a reason to want to fight each other Rhea's not that good on the, in the mic at all let alone as a face the one segment that worked was a segment with bianca and bianca had the least to say
2: actually uh, that's how spoke
4: and and that's my point that's 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 why I think her as the heater in that match could make it so much more interesting, just her facial expressions and one saying you don't even go here, that's all she had to say and like boom we hot now
2: with regards to the upset people have had for Bianca not winning on Sunday, whether we like it or not, and it's probably one of the biggest things that fans Have an issue with is that WWE played a long game and the NXT plays the long game, yeah. (laughs) NXT, and and they also, well, this isn't exclusive to just NXT. WWE show their appreciation of superstars not just by slapping titles around their waists, yeah. Bianca has similar to these girls, similar to Keith Lee, um, really good build in the lead up to Survivor Series, uh fantastic showing in the Royal Rumble she was in a takeover match for the title and there's talk of her being included in the triple threat match, making it a triple threat match, someone obviously likes Bel Air there and someone wants Bel Air to do well whether it is a long game in the lead up to her winning the title at WrestleMania that's another conversation for another day but although she doesn't have title, the title um, I do think WWE thinks highly of her I agree. So, like many, many other things that people cry about, just be patient. And uh, Rhea Ripley's that was like her first proper defense since winning at the end of December. So she needs to sort of cement her own legacy with that title first.
4: Do you think... So this is such a weird time for NXT because there's going to be a takeover Tampa Saturday night but then there's also going to be at least one NXT championship match at WrestleMania, Rhea versus Charlotte. Do you think or do you want to see Rhea defend Saturday night too?
2: Ooh. No, because if Rhea does win that and it's Bianca again, then there'll be an outcry.
4: Well, okay, so what I think could happen is what if you run Charlotte versus Bianca at TakeOver Winner gets into the triple threat if Bianca wins she gets into the triple threat if Charlotte if Charlotte wins Bianca leaves NXT something like that
2: that that could work it could work and then quote unquote knowing Vince Charlotte and Bianca Charlotte and Bianca at the TakeOver on the Saturday or Friday night Uh, The match is a classic. Then down comes Ronda Rousey. (laughs) The match gets cancelled out, and Ronda Rousey makes it a fatal four way at WrestleMania to headline the show.
4: That's a bit That's something he would do. Either that or pick the most random person, like Raquel Gonzalez, to have run into the match. So, you know.
2: So, next up is the. NXT Tag Team Championship match Broserweights the the best um, comedy cop um, double act I've seen in a long time versus the other really good comedy double act I've seen in a long time the match started slowly but I spoke earlier on when we started this what a, a wild ride this one was crazy shit Okay. Yeah,
1: to think that these two came together what like six weeks ago or whatever it was um, I think I think their characters just work so well together. Yep. You know, Riddle walks about with a hat, and dancing and and walking about flip flops, and Pete Dunne just stony faced, expressionless at times. Uh, glad that these two win because it means that actually that the Dusty Classic means something in a sense, and also that these two have actually got a direction and. That They're actually taking a tag match series, well, the tag team series, um, kind of going off slightly off topic, but not really. But I mean, it, kind of throwing two guys together or two people together uh, to put them in a tag team. I think if you take it serious and you have a direction with them, it shows, it's shown, history shown it can work. Look at the bar. Look at yeah. the bar? Hell, look at the New Day, I'm crying out loud. Yep.
2: Uh, Look at
1: um, Yokozuna, Owen Hart. Booker um, T and Goldust. Uh, Kenny Omega well, and Hangman Page. There's if, so if, many more.
4: If we're honest, every tag team that's not real brothers or real family is thrown together. We just don't always see them that's getting true. it together.
1: That's true. Yeah, I I just mean like, like if you've got two guys who have been predominantly singles guys and then out of nowhere it yeah. seems like 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 Cesaro and Sheamus, like they were having that great best of seven, then all of a sudden they're tagging together. Um, like I'm sure there's a few others that have somehow just escaped. Team Hell No being one as well. Yeah.
2: Um, X Pack and Kane.
1: Yeah, so let's say it, it can work. Um, fucking another great undisputed era tag match. Oh, it's um, just... I, I loved. I even loved at the start as well. Like they had enough of fucking. How many, how many fish could Bobby Fish fry? Bobby Fish could fry fish. <laughs> like, that's they have amazing. Of that that's and, so and good. they can run out the ring, and, and then they started brawling in the aisle, uh, aisle again. It's like, right. So, just even in the space of a couple of weeks, there's already so much heat there. It's already quite personal. So, I yeah, man, I thoroughly enjoy this match. Um, standard, great takeover tag match. You know, like it's becoming as a norm now, uh, where you get a great fire takeover match, uh, tag match. Um yeah. I I I would like to see ultimately down further down the road though. I would I would I'm on board for Pete Dunne versus Matt Riddle. Oh yes. Oh yes <laughs> Like I don't want oh, really to be like Oh so oh, he like, can I'm say it but I already. can Aye, later
2: <laughs> later on.
1: Like, okay. okay. You know not right away but you know, I don't want to be like, oh, well, let's hurry up and like split them up or whatever, um, because they've already shown that they're really, really good um, tag team. And Clive, like you said, we did speak about this off air where you says, "Is it just me, or is it like is Pete Dunne getting even better?" I think, and I says to is like, well, he's working with better people, so he might. Obviously, as soon as you start working with better people, you know it's going to make you better. And he's already great, so being surrounded by people who are on like the same bar as him you know, he's just going to put on fire match after fire match. Um, But yeah, fucking great match. Absolute great match. What
2: I loved about it, about this pairing is their tandem moves aren't very conventional when it comes to sort of tandem tag team moves. And specifically their, I think it's a bro to sleep coupled with an Insegure. That looks as if your head explodes when that lands correctly. That is a devastating finisher for anyone to take.
4: Man, you know, I've been ever since you said it's something about Pete Dunn that's different. I've been trying to think what it is and I think it finally hit me. And it's it it may be partially what you're saying, Moosh, because Kyle O'Reilly is the best tag wrestler maybe of the past five years, easily anybody he tags with is a great tag team. <laughs>
0: yeah.
4: It's amazing. Um but you know what you know what it is? I think it is. Um you guys may have watched him before cuz I know he did ICW and progress on a lot of the British, UK, mm. European feds. But and since he's been on WWE television most of it's been a heel and We cared about him. We had a reason to care about him as a heel because he was a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. But as a face, we haven't had a reason to care about Pete Dunne. Like, there's no reason to really care about him other than, oh, he does great matches and he used to be a heel this one time. Matt Riddle gives us a reason to care about this dude because, like, he's the straight man to Matt Riddle's comedy. He's the... He's the Hardy to, the, to Matt Riddle's Laurel, if I might have that wrong backwards, or he's the Danny Glover to Matt Riddle's Mel Gibson. There's Maybe not Mel Gibson, but you get the point, mm-hmm. right? And so I think as a face, you have to have a reason to care about a guy beyond the fact that they can wrestle well. And now that we have a reason to care about Pete Dunne, the stuff that he's doing, which is genuinely the same stuff he's been doing in the past five years, feels different.
2: Mm-hmm. See as well, the Dusty Classic doesn't hold good memories for uh, Pete Dunne. Yeah. And look who he was facing in the final again. So there was this, and I can understand, I know I slagged you off for it, but I can understand where you would come from with Matt Riddle or someone turning heel on Pete Dunne. Although Matt Riddle is a, a joker and embarrasses Pete Dunne, there is a there is a genuine camaraderie there that Pete Dunne would not have felt worried. So he was probably coming out his shell. He was more confident, and that he had a a partner who he could trust going into this. And it came out, it came out point. in spades.
4: That's a great point.
2: There's a, there is an actual genuine chemistry there. It's it's all sort of play acting, but you know what I mean. He's comfortable.
1: Yeah, but that's what Izzo, like, they've gelled so well together, both in the ring and, and, and out of the ring. Um, like I say, it's just that... It, it's simple because you've got a Joker and you've got someone who's dead serious, and it's always like, well, the Joker's going to try and break the guy who's dead serious and break down those walls and get close to him kind of thing. I think we all probably know someone like that or or been in that kind of relationship before, or at least saw it, Um so yeah, it's quite a, for me. It's quite a simple story or a simple gimmick that they've got going on. Um, but it works. It just works. It works so well.
2: Beautiful. They're explosive. I, I've sort of nurtured my tastes and urgent and explosive wrestling is what I enjoy the most. And these two guys just bring it big time.
1: Remember when you em, em. remember when you didn't really get the Matt Riddle hype. Uh, yeah,
4: <laughs> do remember that. Shout out, shout
2: <laughs> out to Rab Ropes who uh, saw the error in my ways in the future. Uh, Matt Riddle, fantastic. And it annoys, annoys, people people. Annoys Goldberg, and I think Randy Orton was probably just working, but
4: no, definitely good for him. And 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 by the way, I would have Pete Dunn turn on Matt Riddle, not the other way around.
2: Not, no,
4: would, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Come on, man! Tell me, Matt Riddle versus Pete Dunne in the street fight and take over Tampa wouldn't still the still the weekend, damn near.
1: I know, but see, I would wait until the SummerSlam takeover. Okay.
2: When I started coming round on Matt Riddle was during his Velveteen Dream match, and he showed a heelish he showed heelish tendencies. He was getting pissed off with Dream, and he was getting a bit temperamental. And it was like, oh wow, he he is actually more than just the stoner, the strong stoner. So I would I wouldn't mind seeing Matt Riddle as a heel. I think it would be quite interesting to watch.
1: It's funny because I thought Dream was going to attack him after the match. Mm. Sorry, Riddle <laughs> was going to attack Dream after it the match. Like it, yeah, yeah, I did yeah. It, I the yeah.
2: That was a fascinating match. That was good. Really, I really liked Dream's run as the NA champ. Shout,
1: shout out to Dream's current work on Twitter.
2: Though.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I oh. oh. Brutal. Oh, boy. And you, you know what? It, it's, it's Dream's really got to be, like, next level, like, creepy, creepy bad to get us to forget the fact that they literally tried to break his back, like, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we forget all that. All we can say is, Roddy better bring a gun or something. Like, <laughs> wow. We forgot they almost killed this man three months ago?
2: It's, it's, it's predatorial. It's quite... Dodgy, but Velveteen's all about the shock factor.
1: See, I, found, I just find it hilarious that he's following one person and it's Roddy's wife.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, he's going to get arrested, isn't he?
1: <laughs> oh, this main event.
2: Right, you guys go for it for this one for a bit because. This one in particular has bizarrely, even though this has been the case in NXT for over a year now, years, uh, and there's also the case for the especially the tag team scene in AEW, but it's been under a lot of scrutiny and uh, what's the word? Criticism, because of the sort of false yeah. finish behaviour, but on you go.
1: Like, the match itself was great. Like, I... I do not like the the next spot on the table.
2: Oh.
1: Like, come on. Like, I damn, I thought he, in the match against Mustache Mountain at Worlds Collide, at one point, I think it was the end, he was kind of holding his deck, and I'm like, fuck, are you just selling, or are you legit hot?" Because then yeah. even it looked like Gargano kind of like looked at him and went over to him to see if he was all right, and I was like, Stop with the neck bumps, like the next boss for Champa. That was difficult to watch. Very difficult to watch. Um, match itself was fucking fire. Um, again, Rance touched on it earlier. Like, you probably don't need that final seven or eight minutes. It, it's, it's a recurring theme now. There's a, there's a, a dodgy falls... Fucking the finish and what you want to say at, at the end. Um I'm so not here for Champa and Gargano though. Um I will watch that shit I will enjoy the matches <laughs> You know, so it's contradicting what I'm saying. And I suppose you know, I don't it, want it. Yeah. The only the only <laughs> thing about it I suppose is I guess it's a, it's a, the wrinkle is that Champa's a face and Gargano's a heel this time around. Um, it still feels very raw like it feels like we just finished that feud uh, don't, actually, don't get me wrong the match is going to be great but I'm just not sure if I'm ready for it or, or I'm here for that feud again
4: um, is it my turn do I go, yeah. go or yep. yeah you okay oh. so as as has become my Twitter trademark <sighs> Alright. Um so I'm about to I'm about to tear this apart negatively, but let me start off by saying that there was no match if you believe in bullshit star ratings. Every match in the car was four match four stars plus. Like they were all that good. So this was a great match. I'm just about to destroy it from perspectives in which don't make sense to me. Um I, first and foremost, I think And The NXT Main event style Has overstayed as welcome, I think Because There's a time and a place For 30-minute, 40-minute matches There's absolutely But every single One Every single main event doesn't have to be that length And every single one Doesn't have to be that length with that many finisher kickouts or false finishes. It, it just gets draining and tiring when you can tell the story 15 minutes shorter. As you said, to take seven minutes out that match, it's almost perfect, right? Um, but the three guys that are involved in particular, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa, I think this is the one problem <clears throat> with NXT becoming a third brand. And, and like, Chompa and Gargano in particular not wanting to leave. What else can they do? You can't have a takeover feud with Johnny Gargano and Conan Reeves. Oh, right? How not? Like, <laughs> I I mean, I'm down. Uh,
2: <laughs> I would love
4: it. I, yeah, cocaine, Conan Reeves, baby, let's go. Uh, but, but they're at a, at a level now where they either need to move on or... You know, like they 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 can't do anything else but stay in the same space that they're in, and I think Adam Cole, has, even though he's been a great champion, has reached the end of his. I think it's time for him to drop the belt at this point because, like, it's not interesting anymore. It's the same guys and the same formula. I wrestle a great match, false finisher, false finisher, false finisher, and uh, and then El Desperado comes out. Then all this nonsense, and then I win sneakily. It's the same thing, and it's getting a little tired. Um, I just... And then the whole gargano Champa thing I was so against, but I think you talked me off the ledge, uh, and I'll let you explain that a little better, uh, Clive, but this match, man... I, this match I just it was it was great from an in-ring standpoint but so much of the extra stuff just made it so annoyingly not bad but oh like I I mean is it is there a word that I'm trying to describe i mean did you feel the same way
2: right to answer a few of your points there is a there is a time and a place for the 35 minute epics and personally I'm happy with them being that length uh, because they only happen what four or five times a year these main events okay you've got UK takeovers into the mix now I, I don't mind the length of some matches and this one was one of them it didn't come out it didn't feel that long to me okay with regards to all the false finishes and the work rate side of things, like the sort of PWG style of wrestling, Adam Cole is a common denominator in that stuff there. In fact, all three of them are, they're all guilty of it. My Hello. issue with Johnny Gargano matches is that he comes across as just like this perfect wrestling robot. He can do all these moves, he's fantastic, but he just does them. There's no, there's nothing to sort of grip onto there. Whereas with Champa, we you and I talk about him regularly and how we are of the opinion that he is the greatest sports sports entertainer, maybe not in history, but currently. And his wrestling style—it's in his own. It's in the lyrics of his own song. No one will survive, and he means he includes himself in that as well because he wrestles a style (laughs) where he wants to kill himself as well as his opponent. Yeah.
4: Kamikaze style.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's it, exactly kamikaze style. So for him to want to destroy himself in the process, that gives his matches over Gargano's more of a sort of not scary. That's not the right word, but a sort of stressful watch. Especially, Frightening. yeah. Especially when he's taking bumps on the table. Especially when he's taking Panama sunrises onto the the floor.
4: Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, and don't get me started on the War Games bump that was mental but he's just
4: and they're, and these are safe bumps but they're just so dangerously I safe
2: I know the table one was bad um, but the way he sprinted no signs of any ankle injury at all as he sprinted probably faster than Usain Bolt to do the, the running niece I know that's not the name but running niece finisher and kissed the, yeah. the fellow bald man in the head that was a great moment for that fan uh, the match was great I, I loved the match it's times where I can sort of put put aside the selling stuff just because I'm enjoying it so much as it stands I am not tired of the Canadian Destroyer I could watch, I've happily watched Canadian Destroyers Destroyers. I sort of comical really? so far, I might tire of them soon but I enjoy them so far um, the bit where Trampa was in the sort of crossface and, uh, but then he reversed it and had to bring his dead arm over to lock it in himself onto Cole with that man. That was excellent. That was excellent. And so, from that side of things, loved it. I was just, I was sports entertained, basically. And
4: then. Do you think it's a case of them being too smart for their own damn good? Because they're like genius level wrestlers. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think. I think Champa is a genius more so than Cole. Cole is just a sort of. PWG guy through and through, personally.
4: Okay.
2: Um, Champa, we've teased this. We're going to talk about Champa long, long style soon. Um, but then Undisputed Era. I'm not going to go into too much detail because I've actually written a column this week, which will drop on Thursday, on the brand extension part of Lords of Pain. Rance, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Champa, I have done a 180. A complete 180. I was sick of it. Uh, I was not, not, not a fan of the Mustache Mountain match. I hated it. But <laughs> But the, when Undisputed Era rushed the ring on Sunday night, I thought, this is exactly like TakeOver New York. When they rushed the ring and Gargano was picking them off one by one. It's like, he's going to win this, you could tell. And you started to feel that with Trampin. I thought, this is too close to home for that match and then Gargano comes out puts a stop to it hits Champa with a belt I thought that was excellent Gargano saw history repeating itself except it would be repeating itself for the man who cost uh, cost Gargano so much misery and hell and pain and probably sleeping on the couch for a few weeks as well (laughs) Uh, so from that side of things this is for me is a long long story arc and I'm here for it because I was a big fan of Gargano as a heel. Remember the whole Alistair Black stuff? Thought that was sensational. And Champa, as you've said, has not changed his side of things. Sorry, I should have said um, Ricky's had to step off the show. One of the kids has woken up, so he's had to go. So Ricky, thanks you for all listening. So, but we'll see. Speak to him next week. Cheers, Ricky. Where, <laughs> where was I? <laughs> um, this what we thought was just a the. Their, story was told. That was just the first half. The moral alignment has reversed but Champa is still the same person he always was. The same self-destructive kamikaze evil psychopath the psycho killer. And I'm ready to take and that ride once again.
4: So when you text me this and if, for a little inside baseball for those of you listening I had to push Clive to write this column. Because he sent me almost 200 words of, like, the most poetic, (laughs) beautiful description of why this made sense. And I was like, wait, what? And, like, it talked me off the ledge because I was really upset. Um, And, you know, I'm an NXT stan. So, like, I was really just, like, disgruntled and disappointed and not excited about the future. And you sent me this and made me rethink my whole reasoning. And so with everything you're saying, um, not only does it make perfect sense, but Ciampa keeps talking about he wants his life back. Gargano's not ready for, ha- for him to have that life back because that, him having that life back means Gargano can't have that life that he had. Mm-hmm. And go even deeper, if you remember the reason that uh, Ciampa turned on Gargano in the first place was because he knew he was hurt. And he knew the crowd would forget about him because they loved Johnny more than him. They never truly loved him. Now the crowd truly loves him, mm. and Gargano can't handle it. Oh,
2: Rance Raymond,
4: <laughs> it's beautiful, especially. And then it's not. It's. I meant to text you this the other day, but there's no. There's like it's not a coincidence. Gargano. Tweeting out the old heel version of his logo, yes. and I, I said you like, it don't mean shit. But there's a reason he wore that and then got destroyed by Finn. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing, because he knew in the back of his mind, I, I can't really focus on this because like Champa can't win. Mm-hmm. See, so
2: see when Gargano was on the rise, ready to face Almas. Trampa was forgotten about entirely at that point. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. And what's been happening in the last couple of months, Gargano's been injured and he's in a sort of, I wasn't that bothered about this Finn Balor match. He was in the, he, Gargano was an afterthought while Trampa was on the rise.
4: It's hey, mirrors,
2: go, mirrors go, all the way.
4: Go deeper, Clive. Go deeper. So Gargano got hurt before they went into war games. Mm-hmm. Right? Not only did Ciampa where fly the flag of, of good against the evil undisputed error, but he flew the flag of NXT against the WWE against Raw SmackDown. He was the captain of Team NXT. He was the guy that they put in front to to you know, we are we're, we're gonna put reigns in front. We're gonna put um Seth Rollins in front of a week at Tommaso Champa. Who calls himself Mr. x Ex- Mr NXT? Johnny. Johnny Gargano couldn't do it, but who could?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 oh. And to go one just one further, I'm kinda spoiling this column here now, but Gargano cost Alistair Black the title with a belt shot. Oh god. <laughs> and his life was ruined there and like thrown that and Ciampa became the king. What did Gargano do this week to make sure that... Champa did not become the king? You know, your
4: new... Your new nickname is The Bard. Because you <laughs> just speak in poems.
2: Well, I write,
4: like,
2: I write better. Is, I write better cut. than I speak, but... Yes. Tell me, okay, it's it's got that PWG indie mania wrestling style. But the story that has been told with these guys is top notch and that's why i am all for this food continuing
4: so here's my only issue of my only question i can i can understand wanting to finish the story that was never finished a year ago now
2: mm-hmm.
4: right yeah i can i can respect that i can respect that Gargano never wants to leave, Ciampa said he'll retire if he has to leave and all this stuff I can get them coming to a final conclusion, hell in a cell, Falls anywhere, something crazy I can, I'm down with that the Wednesday after over Tampa are we still having these two feud or are we done because I don't want to see these two around each other anymore for a while and that's why I was so happy they made up because they cool now, they ain't gotta be in the same space. But now, like, I I just NXT is such a great program, but the quality of the show is almost it hasn't been hurt yet, but it's on the precipice of being affected if all we're gonna continue to see is Gargano Ciampa taking up two segments and Cole hogging the belt. And and I'm a huge fan of all three of these people, but like we need Why do we love the Keith Lee match so much? Because it was a great match with two people who don't get that opportunity. Yes. Rhea versus Bianca. It was a great match between two people who don't get that opportunity. Like, that's why I'm so beautiful. That's why we popped so hard for Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne. Because Red Dragon has held the titles practically for the past three years.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: But now, like, the top of the card is basically the same. So where's Dream gonna go? Where's go lower on the card than that where's Damian Priest gonna go or Killian Dane? or Cameron Grimes or Kushida, Kushida is a huge signing and hasn't had a one takeover match Like, but they can't do anything because we're spending so much time focused on Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era taking over and controlling the company and Gargano Ciampa uh, version 17.6 or whatever it is now
2: well you're right I mean, we are recording this before the first Wednesday after Portland. So we might, we might end up getting a triple threat between the three at WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania weekend. Cole, Gargano and Trampa—that That is possible.
4: Oh I, shit, I didn't even think about that. Damn.
2: Is that just me? <laughs> I didn't
4: even think about
2: that. There, I, I even think that... <laughs> here we go again. I think that Cole's <laughs> going to drop the title before then on TV.
4: Oh, of course you do.
2: Of course you do, <laughs> and it'll be it'll be a, a random match with Gargano, because Champa Champa has taken a Twitter blackout. Champa won't be on TV for a while, I imagine. So Gargano's going to ask for a match, and he'll get it, and he'll win the title, like on a random TV episode. So you're going into WrestleMania season. It shouldn't be called this anymore, but Call Up Season. Roderick Strong no longer holds the North American title. Uh, Red Dragon do not hold the tag titles and Cole does not soon possibly have the world title. They're going to Raw Smackdown after WrestleMania.
4: It's time. It is time. It, It's absolutely time, yes. It's absolutely time. And there's so much talent underneath them that's ready.
2: Oh, the, the, the mid-card's... The mid-card's stronger than uh, Cesaro and Roderick and love child. Oh, well.
4: <laughs> That's a strong ass baby. <laughs> That's a strong ass baby. Um Yeah, man, I just you know, and this isn't just an NXT problem. All of the shows have this issue. The inner circle takes up too much of AEW. Uh you could argue that the Monday that the the disciples and the Monday night Messiah versus the New Revolution, whatever you want to call them, take up too much time on Raw. Like you can talk. You can say that the Kings Court versus the Bloodline takes up too much time on SmackDown. This isn't just an NXT thing. The difference is that Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, in general, those three guys, and throw in Roddy, Kyle, and Bobby, have controlled and been at the top of every division, male division, in that brand for three years. Three years.
2: I don't think it's ever been a chore, though, but it still is time.
4: It's, it's, it, I'm not, it hasn't been a chore because they're that talented. Mm-hmm. But here's the point. I shouldn't think about that. I know. It should, like, with Shayna, the reason we knew it was time for Shayna to drop the belt was because we were like, damn, Shayna's had the belt for a year and a half. It's yep. a long time. That's the reason why it was time. Like, when, you, like with Oscar, did you? During that entire time, did you ever did it ever cross your mind? she held the belt for over a year.
2: It did. Uh, I was not amused when Ember Moon didn't beat her, especially the second okay. time. That's
4: um, fair. That's fair. She, she should have won. You're right. Uh, but that, I think that's the that's the marker for me with title matches, mm-hmm. with title title reigns. Is the longer the the longer you hold it, the more I forget how long you've held it. Or it becomes it's not an it's not an important part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. You're doing you you're doing your job with the rain. The second I start thinking, man, you felt this for a long time. It's time for that thing to go.
2: Yeah. So looks like NXT could be in a, a another state of flux or state of change. Sorry, going forward. But overall, thoroughly enjoyed the evening's events. Um, Gargano Champa, here we go, ladies and gents.
4: Oh, and, and I I wanna say going into NXT Wednesday night, it's a huge match. it's a huge night for them because tonight in AEW is the Cody versus Wardlow match, is the Moxley versus Jeff Cobb match, is the Lucha Brothers versus Omega and Hangman for the type tag titles. And they're in the the big arena in Atlanta, the basketball arena in Atlanta. So, like, this is huge for NXT. Not even talking about ratings. I'm just talking about keeping people interested because mm-hmm. you know post shows are normal. Post shows are normally the biggest pop rating wise of the month. Post pay per view shows because you want to see what's going to happen after the pay per view, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they they really got to hit a home run tonight.
2: Well, they will, because Jordan Devlin's on the show. Come on.
4: <laughs> 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 you would have been very proud. I know you're a proud Scottish man, but on The Bump today, Shameless was on, and they were talking about the history of great Irish wrestlers, and they put up this uh, kind of like dynasty picture. I saw that, yeah. It was yeah. Fit, Fit, yeah, Fit Finley, Seamus, Finn, Becky, and your boy Jordan Devlin was at the end, and I, I thought about you
2: ah Jordan, looking forward to that match um, right, due to the interview earlier this is close to becoming a, a two hour episode not done that for a long time so how about we we do a close in classic fashion with a quiz let's, let's do it it's fucking quiz time with Ricky and Ray as in Mysterio <laughs> and Ricky's not even here I should have just spliced in the, the jingle itself. A fucking WWE quiz. Dun dun dun. Right.
4: Well done. Well done. So,
2: uh, with with us having Gary Cassidy on earlier and him making a right good name for himself based off the the BT Sports tour bus he was on, uh, the quest these questions are surrounding the wrestlers who were on that tour bus and the sort of interviews that he had with them. Okay. Okay. So, 10 questions. Number 1, how many times has Paige been the Diva's champion? 2. Correct. Sheamus holds the record as having the shortest match at WrestleMania. Is this true or false? False. What's the correct answer?
4: It's Kane and Chavo Guerrero.
2: It's not, but that wasn't you still get the point. It was uh, The Rock and Eric Rowan.
4: Oh, shit, I forgot that happened. I was there. I was there for that.
2: Six seconds.
4: Yeah, I was there for that. I should have remembered that. But yeah, his actually his last match as a WWE wrestler. Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe it's The Rock that's in Rowan's cage.
4: <laughs> Did you see the memes about people saying it's Shayna? That was in the cage. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, number three. Kurt Angle held more main event singles titles in which company? and by how many? So, WWE or TNA?
4: Well, the answer is TNA for sure, but it's by by two. He held
2: six apiece. Damn! So, there were, okay. lo- there were six in TNA. Uh, world champ a couple of times, more than he was WWF champ, I think. But there's also the time when he was a WCW champion.
4: Mm-hmm. and he was World way champ a couple mm-hmm. times
2: number four how many takeovers did Andrade Almas wrestle on the main card of takeover like how many times was Almas on the main card of takeover
4: Oh, okay he debuted against Ty Dillinger mm-hmm. the next time he fought against Roddy then uh, that was at San Antonio uh, Then it's the Gargano match. There's the McIntyre match. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's five or six. I'm gonna say six.
2: A staggering eight. So eight. you had Ty Dillinger, and it was Bobby Roode first.
4: Bobby Roode. That's right. I I thought it was. Yes, Bobby Rose first and then he did the match of Roddy. Then he yeah, did the matches right.
2: Roddy and he actually already wrestled Alistair Black a year prior, I think. Uh then Johnny Gargano, as we know. Then Drew McIntyre.
4: Oh well Alistair beat Alistair beat him for the title.
2: Yeah. And then Alistair Black. Yeah. Okay. It was actually two times he fought Gargano.
4: He, they fought four times so, that's, so yeah
2: that's nine though.
4: yeah that's absolutely right because the, the, the first time was at a random match one week and then it was for the title mm-hmm. yeah so that's right yeah
2: how, number five how many NXT Women's Championship matches has Nikki Cross competed in?
4: it doesn't matter if it's TakeOver or not right just in general?
2: yeah just in general
4: so there's the match against Asuka
2: what a match.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I know you'd talk about that. That's like one of your favorite matches. It is,
2: it, is. it so is.
4: Um, there's the Fatal 4-Way uh, that Ember won after Asuka finally retired. Three, and then it one against Shayna, so it's three.
2: Correct, well done. Um, Charlotte Flair has held which title more, the Raw Women's or the SmackDown Women's Championship?
4: Oh fuck, she's... Damn, they're like tattooed on, a, on her belt, on her stomach, so... Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna go with SmackDown, because she was there longer.
2: Well done. Five to four, that one. Out of Cain Velasquez's 17 MMA fights, how, <laughs> how many did he win by total knockout?
4: Oh, uh, it wasn't as many as you'd think, because he was a wrestler. So he was a ground a pound guy. So... Um, I'm gonna go with nine.
2: I can't. I think it might have been Bellator that I was on. This was twelve, apparently.
4: Oh, see, I didn't follow him in Bellator. I just know UFC, so that's fair. That might be right. That yeah. might be it, it, I'm sure it's right.
2: Mm. What was Triple H's name in WCW?
4: John Paul Levesque.
2: There was also another name beforehand.
4: Oh, the original Terror Rising.
2: Terror Rising. Yep. <laughs>
4: It's eh, a terrible name. <laughs> I know, it's
2: brutal. Number nine. Ric Flair retired from WWE in 2008. Who was his opponent in his first televised singles match in TNA? Would you
4: like a He pick? only wrestled... He's going to a TNA shit. He only <laughs> wrestled a few matches there because he was so ashamed to wrestle after he promised Shawnee wouldn't.
2: Will I give you a clue?
4: So... Give me a clue, because I'm between two people.
2: This person works for WWE in some capacity. Okay. Currently.
4: Yeah, so I'm going to say Hogan.
2: Incorrect. Who were your other two?
4: Well, Jay Lethal was one of them, because I know they had that Mm -hmm. amazing promo battle. Um, And uh, Foley, probably the other
2: according to the very reliable source wikipedia his first yeah. singles he was in loads of tag matches but his first singles match was with abyss that's
4: random yeah. as fuck
2: i mean he had a match with hogan in australia before all this but that wasn't yeah that was the tour thing yeah and number 10 last question how much fish could bobby fish fry if bobby fish could fry fish
4: so I've really thought about this question. I got really like really, really internalized and try to come up with the correct answer. My answer is is forty seven. Oh, it was
2: forty eight, unlucky.
4: Damn. Oh, I'll do better next time.
2: You did well. Did very thank well. You. Uh, Rance, thank you for coming on tonight. It was a good chat about takeover.
4: Thank you for having me, man. I'm I'm sorry to keep kind of bum rushing my ass on the show, but <laughs> I'm never off at this time. So
2: happy to have you on. It was just we had to delay it a wee bit tonight with the the Gary Cassidy interview, but I'm glad we got you on eventually. And for the first time in quite a while as well.
4: Yeah, yeah. I feel like we're I feel like we're a family again. Aww. Two
2: plus one is three. Three is family.
4: <laughs> there you go.
2: Uh, do you want to drop your
4: deets? <laughs> um, sure. You can find me at... What's Gary Cassidy's Twitter?
2: <laughs> at Conscious Gary.
4: You can find me at Conscious... No, you you can find me at... Uh, it's Ray Cash, and Mysterio, C-A-S-H-S, and Dollars. Of course, I am one half of the... Currently on hiatus, but soon to be this week, tomorrow-wise back at it Outsiders Edge show at Outsiders Edge CS we are proud members of the Cheshire Radio Network which is in conjunction with e-wrestling news where you always use your head and uh, my favorite wrestling show is the Ricky and Clive show yay
2: likewise sir SMC is great
4: SMC though really is we going?
2: <laughs> you know I've got love for the edge
4: Don't call me by my slave name, sir.
2: Okay? Uh, Okay. (laughs) Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a jam-packed, double-bill episode of the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, only on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find other shows such as One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, Grown Men Watch This Shit, Get In The Ring, and All Things Elite. Uh, You can get... If you wanted to, you can donate money to the show through the show notes. There's a link on the the sort of paragraphs that you get when you download the podcasts. Uh, You can also go to ProWrestlingTees.net for social suplex t-shirts. So help us become podcasting house husbands if you can. If you want us to reach more people, help the algorithms out, go over to your podcast app of choice. I believe Apple is the best one for that. Give us a nice five-star review. Go to socialsuplex.com where you can get the podcasts and columns sent directly to your email inbox by pressing the subscribe button. As I said earlier, my latest column will drop on Lords of Pain at some point on Thursday. Um, The Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, type in the Wrestling Squared Circle and you'll find us there, and we are at Ricky and Clive on Twitter. So before we go, I found out what was on the... The note if there was any complications in Tommaso Trampa's surgery? Uh oh. If there was any complications it say like he was asked do you want people like the DNR thing?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And he just wrote no one will revive.
4: Oh boy. Oh, <laughs> boy. Oh, God. Why would you do that when when Rick isn't here? Why would you do that? Like I need Rick to be here to see his face, right? Oh man, I've missed I missed Ricky and Clive, I missed the clap joke in li- and live in person so bad. Oh, no one will revive. That's that's. Oh,
2: boy. What can I say? Except you're
4: welcome. <laughs> hey, I'm good. That's that's all I needed for the rest of the week. I appreciate it. That's what I needed.
2: Excellent. Right. Ladies and gents, thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next week.
4: Thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time.